These podcasts are moving really quick. We're already on episode five. And for my fifth guest, I've got Ramon Farnell, AKA Chima, who is a fashion designer and clothing brand owner based out of Okinawa, Japan. I've known Ramon for a long time, so we've spent a while catching up. We talked about the difference between Japan and America, his time in Chicago, his fashion brand, but we also spoke in Japanese for a couple minutes, and I do announce that, so if you're on Spotify or a podcasting app, there's going to be a couple minutes where you may not understand, but if you skip ahead, we'll switch right back to English. Luckily, if you're on YouTube, I do have subtitles that I've written out for that, so uh, if you want to know what we said in Japanese, just head over to the YouTube link, and you can uh, watch the video itself with the subtitles and see what we are talking about. So without further ado, here's the episode. Be sure to check out VavilonClothing.com to see what kind of clothing he makes. And uh, yeah, enjoy. So for people that don't know, how, how do you go by? I've always known you as Chima since you were probably like 12. So I don't right? know. What, what do people call you now? Uh, well, the people still do call me Chima. There were people that I'm like kind of close, not close, but like just friends with. Like we kind of see each other all the time. Then they call me Chima, but most of the people know me as uh, Ramon. Okay. That's my real name, Ramon. Yeah. Um, so that's what so sometimes people be like Chima and they're like, Who who the hell is Chima? Like we don't know who that person like, And if I remember correctly, so, we, we started calling you Chima because I think Fashad or David thought that you looked like Chima Ferguson, right? Yep. And then when I look back into it, I do not look nothing like him. <laughs> like at all. So um yeah, so for people that don't know, Ramon, Chima you own a clothing company in uh, yep. based out of Okinawa, Japan, and you do a lot of really interesting street-style stuff. I've seen some vests that you've made. I actually have a bag of yours, like the little side satchel. I don't know where I put it, uh, but I use yeah. it all the time. I use it when I go out and shoot film photos like on the street. I keep all my extra film and stuff in there. And you've got some really interesting yeah. stuff coming out. Um, and I'm curious, like how how does that process work do you design something on a computer and then send it off to, to like somewhere where it gets uh created or do you create everything by hand and then send that off to somebody else so uh i have this two methods i do usually so one is pretty much like like you said i kind of make the design and then i ship it to the factory like hey this is what i want uh send me bulk or sometime i'll be like make a bulk and then leave it in the factory not factory, warehouse, and then when people order, you guys, so drop shipping, you guys handle it. I don't see the product at all anymore. Uh, and then certain other products, such as the, the collection that I'm coming out with, which is the Butterfly Effect collection, uh, some of the stuff is uh, in-house. So I just order like the blank hoodies, and then I do the sewing and then printing and everything. That's why with those kind of products, I charge more because I'm by myself printing everything. So usually after I get off work, I sit here and start printing and then start shipping it out. So, But people never complain about um, the price, So, which I'm grateful for because I, I know some people will be like, oh, like why would I pay $70 for a hoodie when I can get a $70 hoodie? That's well-known brand. So I'm always, uh, you know, thankful and then humble of how people supporting my brand because literally people don't have, don't have to really – they can support me by posting – and I'm I'm all for that. Uh, I don't when I tell people like support me, I don't ask them to like buy stuff. I'm not asking for them to buy anything. Literally just like, share, comment. That's that's more I'm more, I'm more grateful for that. But some people do buy my stuff and I'm like, you know what? Like I appreciate that because like they didn't really have to. Yeah. So but going back to your question, I'm sorry I got off track, but are you good? Yeah. So 
I do have the drop shipping method and then also I do the in-house. So okay. yeah, those are the two methods I use. So a little that. bit of each one. And you know, like, I mean, so when people talk about like prices, right? I think your prices are pretty on point. Like when you're talking about like, I don't know, Hanes, Nike, like stuff you can find at like local big box stores here in America, right? Yeah. Uh, they might be lower priced, but that's because they're mass manufactured. They're made by some kid in a sweatshop in China and everybody has that shirt, you know? So exactly. why should somebody pay more money for something else? Well, because it's different, because it's supporting yeah. somebody that's creative. It's not going to a big corporation. And it's cool. Like, it's solid quality stuff. Everything I've seen com- like come from you, it doesn't look like subpar. Like, it looks on point with what quality should be. And the prices aren't yeah. – the prices are really not bad, especially considering it's coming from Japan. Like, yeah. anytime you order stuff from Japan, they, they rack up the prices, man. I tried to get some oh, – yeah. I tried to just get some UFO – like yakisoba the other day right and it was going to be like a hundred dollars for me to ship it over here so that alone should be enough for it to be like nah dude this price is pretty solid yeah um but yeah so the collection you're working on right now the butterfly collection you've had a lot of interesting like pieces come out i'm curious where you get inspiration for that are you like listening to music to do that? Is it stuff that you see in Japan? Is it stuff that you experienced in Chicago? Or what what goes into uh, an idea when you're making a new collection? So usually uh, most of the collection I make is like either, um, what do you call it? Like what I experienced growing up or what I see when I went to Chicago or uh, Taipei or Tokyo or Osaka, Florida, wherever I went, like whatever I saw that influenced me, that's what I'll come up with. And then uh, I think the last collection was uh, Undo Kai, meaning like the sports day for Japan. And I experienced that when I was growing up because I went to Japanese school. Mm-hmm. And that was the first collection I was able to produce, uh, what is it called? Athletic wear, which was a tracksuit, uh, top and bottom tracksuit, uh, which is um, the material is pretty, uh, what do you call it? It's, it's like it cools your body down. So, it, you know, absorb your sweat and it kind of just cool you off kind of thing, kind of like a dry fit kind of material. Okay. And I was really happy with the outcome of the product. I'm I'm all about quality. Uh starting off the quality, I'm not even gonna sit here and lie to you. It, it wasn't that great. Like some of the prints were kind of off. Uh certain vinyl came off pretty easy. And then I noticed I start to see and notice that. So I kind of, you know, sat back and be like, you know what? Like I need to make sure I take uh pull out the best quality. So um yeah, so that's pretty much it. So like every every collection has a meaning behind it. Uh, this upcoming collection, which is the Butterfly Effect collection, uh, if I don't know if you peeped it, but some people haven't peeped it yet. But all the picture that I took or like model, except the one with the butterfly hoodie one, but most of the picture I took was where we used to hang out at Baba Park. Oh no way! Really? Where where do you have those yeah. photos posted? Uh, it's on my Instagram. It's, I haven't posted all of it yet. Okay. But most of the picture, I, it was inspired because of, um, remember when we used to, at the Bob, uh, Baba Park, uh, there's a skate park, but then on the, up the hill, there's like a little hut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like where all the, yeah. uh, where we used to like want to skate down it, but it lands in the grass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have some pictures there and there's another one that's kind of in the cut where you go up the hit like up the dirt road and there's like a little sitting place 
Okay. I took a picture there, and then I also took a picture in front of my uh, mom's old house where, okay. like, me, Bashad, David, uh, person you came by. To, like, everybody was just in the front of the house yeah. just chilling. I tried to pull so, up the photos, but I couldn't. I couldn't. Is it on your uh, – is it – so let me ask you one thing really quick. Is it pronou- – are you pronouncing it Babylon or Vavilon with a V? It's a, with a V. It's with Vavilon. a V. Vavilon. Okay, that's yep. what I thought it was. Um, is it on the Vavilon Instagram or on your Instagram? It's on the Babylon Instagram, but I actually haven't posted yet. But oh, like okay. one of this picture right here, oh, it's kind of bright, my bad. Hey, no worries. Okay, so this one, oh, 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 right here. This one, that's the the four steps. The oh yeah, yeah, man, because that was that uh that was off the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that little tiny park nobody knows about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody they went to, but nobody goes there now. But we used to go there all the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I also wanted to dedicate this collection for, uh, you know, for Sean, you mm-hmm. know, who passed away. That was, that was my big brother. And then I was like, you know, I want to do this because uh, the butterfly effect meaning behind it is something like small, like a small effect turning to like a big picture. Meaning, so meaning behind it is pretty much you guys. You guys from Kuka Kadena, so you, David, uh, C, uh, AJ, Sherman, uh, what is it, Fashad, and all those people, and who, you know, kind of, because you guys were older than me. Yeah. But you guys was kind of like, you guys welcomed me like I was one of you guys. We all skated, and it was just, it was just a small family. And then I remember, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. We did some bad stuff, but yeah, yeah, we, we were always the on the right track. We was always on the right track. And we always watched each other's back. And uh, you know, last time, last time before he passed away, when I talked to him, he was like, you know, because he, he was involved in those, you know, gang and whatnot. And then what he told me was, uh, is, "Is it okay if I curse or you man? You could, you could say of? whatever you want. I've got my podcast labeled as explicit." Uh, so okay. I, we can talk about whatever we want. So what he told me was that uh, you're not gonna join this gang shit. This is not for you, and this is not for me. Like this is not for nobody. This is not a joke. And he told me you graduate high school, you go to fucking college, and then you know pretty much told me to be better. And then he was like, I was like, all right, cool. So even when I graduated college, college it was it was it was for myself, but it was also for him. Saying thank you for pushing me because. When he was here, I thought being a gang was a cool thing. And then me, you know, born in Oakland, I heard a story about gang. It's, it's not it's nothing about it's nothing to flex. It's it's life or death. And that's how we lost him. And then, you know, it sucks to see that because I, I wish he was here, you know, so we can all just talk and hang out and whatnot. But that's why I came up with the name Butterfly Fit, because of him and you guys pushing me going the right direction, look where I am. Like, I am I finished high school. I have finished college. Uh, you know, I'm working on my master. I have my clothing brand. That, to me, that's a butterfly effect because of it, it, now it's getting a bigger picture. It's still working on it. There's a bigger picture ahead of me, but that's the whole behind it. And then that's why I picked the butterfly also because it's just, you know, butterflies start off as a ugly, what do you call it, caliper-looking thing, and then eventually you grow and become a beautiful butterfly. So that's the meaning behind it. So yeah, pretty much like like I figure uh, to your to answer your question, pretty much I do have meaning behind every collection I do. Yeah, man, that's that's a 
that's something I really enjoy. I really enjoyed that that breakdown of how that butterfly effect collection came up, especially because like, man, I I see a lot of people creating stuff, whether it's a clothing line, photography, videography, whatever it is, and it seems like you've got like this intricate balance between like really cool clothes and really cool fashion ideas, and like who you are goes into every single thing, and like when you, yeah. the way you've explained that, the way you told me like where you took the photos the meaning behind the actual butterfly effect name itself. Like, man, that's just like rooted in like, when I see that now, I'm going to think Chima. Like every time I see that for sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, you're right. Like it, it's kind of interesting how that butterfly effect thing works, you know, like the only reason that I met Fashad was because I used to skate. And the only reason I used to skate is because I saw one kid when I lived in Indiana, when I was like four years yeah. old, I saw a kid <laughs> skateboarding and I thought it was cool. And yeah. the only reason I speak Japanese is because I met Toru, I met Hiro, I met Sean yeah, at Baba Koing, and they taught me Japanese. Yeah. And like, it creates this whole, my whole entire like existence now is based upon the days where we used to skate at Baba Koing, for sure. Exactly. The simpler times. And it was just like, in our group, it, there was never no hate. It doesn't matter what color your skin was or nationality was. We were always together. And that is why my brand, kind of like the slogan, is is for everybody. Like the the stuff that's going on in the states, I hate. I hate it. I don't like. I don't like seeing that kind of stuff where, you know, everybody just get treated so unequally. And it's just like, why can't we? Like we, because we were able to do that. So what is so difficult for other people to do it? Because, you know, even like me being a half black and half Japanese kid going to Japanese school, I never really got. Bully. I mean, they do look at me like, like, who's this black dude? Like, we never seen this black kid around. But then it wasn't never like, no, fuck you, da, 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 I don't like you, I don't like your kind. It was never like that. Like back then, was I feel like it was more peaceful, or maybe it would everybody just hide it because they were just kind of ashamed to say that. But now everything is just so open, and mm. it just sucks to see it. And then um, that's why I just want to, with my clothing, I just want to show people like, hey, like. This is for black people. This is for white people. This is for Mexicans or whatever. Like, we're all humans. Like, why are we labeling each other like that? Is what I'm saying. It's just, I don't. I just don't like that. That's why I want my clothing to be for everyone. Yeah. So that's pretty much like I said. That's a butterfly effect. It came from hanging out with you guys. We was just a whole bunch of nationality bunched up together, mm. and was just like, go skate, go hang out, go park, whatever. Like, it was just no hate. Yeah, it's all love and supporting each other. And you know, like, man, I try to explain to some people in the states like what it was like to grow up the way we grew up, and it's just so much different than what anybody's used to here. Even in places where they're multicultural, you know, it's not anywhere close to what it was like where we grew up. Our group of friends was like such a kind of like a group of misfits, you know. Like we had kids that were too white to hang out with their white friends and their black friends because they like rap music but they also skate and they wear baggy jeans sometimes and skinny pants yeah. other times like well you can come hang out with us <laughs> it doesn't matter you know like Fashad Fashad was like always looked down on by all the teachers in school all like a yeah. lot of the authority figures because he had a really big problem with authority you know and so every time people saw him they looked down at him but then he would come skate with us and it's just Fashad we just hang out with him we don't think anything of it you know yeah. and uh like for me, like I felt weird because like I grew up half in Japan and half in America, but I'm American. But I yeah. assimilated so much into Japan that like I started learning Japanese and all my friends were Japanese. I spoke Japanese all day, every day. 
and then I felt like, man, I'm too Japanese for my American friends, and I'm too American for my Japanese friends, but, like, this group of people I can always fit in with. And I think that, yeah. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know how to solve the problems in the U.S., man, but I think that you definitely are are contributing to good, for sure, with stuff like that, by making something for everybody. And I think, uh, exactly. I think that's a big part of, like, why people, a big part of why people don't get along in the U.S., when I don't think it's as bad as people make it seem like it is. I think the news makes it seem a lot worse, but it is still, yeah. there are still problems, you know? But I think a big problem is that it's still segregated here. Like, you have a neighborhood that's often majority black, and then a neighborhood that's majority white, a neighborhood that's majority this, majority that. I think the reason that people like you and I can get along with a lot of different people is that we didn't grow up that way. I mean, my neighbors yeah. were from... Uh, Israel, Palestine, India, Japan at, at our at my high school, <laughs> even on the base at my high school, majority of the people there came from different backgrounds, you know, almost everybody yeah. was mixed with something. So exactly. when I grew up that way, seeing everybody is pretty much the same. I mean, you eat different food and speak different language, but everybody thinks the same. Everybody really cares about the same stuff. It's hard yeah. to really hate anybody, really, except stupid people, exactly. except stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just joking. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it's really cool to see that kind of stuff coming uh, out of uh, like instead of like fighting and being very negative about it, making something positive. I think that's 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 something cool, man. Are you uh, do you still speak Japanese like you do English, like the same same as before? I, I remember when we were younger, you used to you used to be better at speaking Japanese than you were English. I think. Yeah, I couldn't speak English actually at all. I was struggling to learn. I remember when Fashad yeah. and David were like trying to teach you like like American slang and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But now uh, I think it's fifty fifty because I do little. I start translating stuff like on base. Mm. Um, you know, I do like the management stuff. Uh, Ocean Breeze right now on Kevin Foster, and I deal with contract labor, which is the Japanese people. So when I talk to them, like some sometimes sometimes they want me to speak English to them so they can learn. But at the end of the day, like I'm trying to get things done. So I'm gonna talk to them in Japanese. So I get things done. Uh, when I talk to contract labor people who like create the contract, I talk to them in Japanese. So it's pretty good working here because my management's American. But then when I had to deal with the contractor, they're all Japanese, most of them. Okay. So it's pretty 50 50. So now it's kind of balancing out because before it was kind of like Japanese at one point. And when I was in Chicago, it was more of like a English because I don't, I didn't really run into Japanese people. Like the only time I spoke, spoke Japanese was when my mom called, but I was maybe like once or twice a week and I was only for like maybe five to 10 minutes. Yeah. So, but when I get back, I kind of balanced out again since I'm using both. So it's, yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. And man, like, I've been back in the States now for 10 years and my family doesn't speak Japanese. Nobody in my family speaks Japanese. I'm the only one. So yeah. like trying to keep up with it has been so difficult. But I mean, I had a job with a Japanese company for a while. I'm going to switch to Japanese really quick. So anybody that's watching, if you don't speak Japanese, I mean, I don't know. You'll, we'll switch back to English in just a minute. But あの、去年はあの、日本からの製造会社で勤めていましたから、あの、マーケティング部で本社、あの、翻訳と通訳よくしましたから、えっと、日本語をコツコツ勉強して、ペラペラじゃなくて、ペラペラじゃないけど、え
本当に日本人みたいに日本語を話すことができましたから今はちょっと悪くなっていると思います<笑>うん分かる分かるだから僕もシカゴにいた時やっぱ日本語を喋れなかったからあんまり喋れなかったからやっぱちょっとなまってしまって沖縄帰ってきた時にちょっとあ俺ずれ「struggle」ちょっと難しかった。うん、でもやっぱ、なんだっ,たっけ、あの、漫画とか、えっと、お母さんともっと会うことになったから、だからもっと日本語を使うようになった。でもやっぱ、アメリカにいるとやっぱ使わ,使わないから、やっぱ難しい、難しい。<笑>うん、難しいだよね。でも、最近はネットフリックスで、日本の番組と映画をよ,よくあるので、えっ、ー、と、毎日日本語のテレビを見てるみたいな。<笑><笑>ことで勉強,勉強することができる、うん、そ,そうした方がやっぱあの覚,え覚えやすいしやっぱ座って勉強するとやっぱ難しいんですよねやっぱ本とか読むとちょ,ちょっとディフィコだからやっぱムービーとか、えっと、映画、えっと、テレビドラマとか見るとそっちの方が簡単覚えやすいと思うだから今はまあ俺あの日本に住んでるからやっぱファミリーマートとかローソン行ったらもう日本語だからやっぱ大丈夫だけど。うん、やっぱアメリカいるときはやっぱ、うん、もう TV ドラマとか映画見ないとやっぱ忘れてしまうね。やっぱ,、うん、やっぱり日本,で日本に住むときに、えー、と日本語を勉強と練習することはちょっと簡単になるね。座ると勉強するのは、うん、つまらないからあんまりしないですね、うん。漢字とかはまだ読めるけど書くのは下手くそになってると思うよ。<笑><笑>ああ俺も俺も俺も漢字は書けないねもう書,あ、まあ、書けるやつもあるけどやっぱもうこの携帯ですぐできるからもう書き方がもうわからないもう全部もうあのタイプとか、えっと、もう iPhone で全部訳して送ってるからやっぱ書けって言われたらできないだからあの茶壇役場、うん、あのシティホー行って漢字で書いてって言われたら、うんわからないから携帯ですぐああ<笑>携帯で見ないといけないですねえー、っとうん、うんうん、じゃあそれはいあの今日の世界ですねみんなはあの iPhone とかあの携帯でテクスティングをよ,よくやっているけど漢字はあんまり書かない今はねもうみんなうんもうみんなカタカナとかそれかあのローマ字英語だけど、うん、日本語でうんやる方がみんなそっちが簡単っていうからやっぱあんまりあといっぱいあ絵,文絵文字絵文字とかも使うから、うん、最近、うん yeah. まあ OK we'll switch back to English now sorry everybody who doesn't speak Japanese but we have to appeal to the Japanese audience and that was actually a test for me because like I said man I haven't spoke Japanese like every day for a very long time so I feel like I'm, I'm dying on it but I did when I was in Japan I did pass the JLPT at N2 when I was like 16 So, like,、mm. I really, really spoke it and I've been trying to keep up with it. But, man, like, like we were talking about, sitting down and studying Japanese is really difficult, especially when you don't have a class or a test or a reason to learn something, you know? So, like, what I do still is I will write a journal in Japanese.、Yeah. Like, I used to do it every day, but I don't do it anymore. I use maybe like、yeah. once or twice a week and I'll write out like everything that's happened, not like a diary, but like, Explain, like, hey, there was a tornado over here today, and this thing happened, and this thing happened, and just write it all out.、Uh, but even、yeah. then, like, I'm noticing, man, I can't write kanji anymore. Like, I keep forgetting. I have to go on, like, jisho.org and check out for, like, certain words and, like,、yeah. certain kanji. <laughs> It's kind of embarrassing, but I mean, I'm sure if I move back to Japan, I'll pick it up again pretty quickly. 
Yeah, that's that's what happened to me. Because uh, right now, like, even, like, talking casually in Japanese is a little bit harder because most of the time I use Japanese is during the business, like, so business casual. So when I'm dealing with, like, the factories here or when I'm working with, the like I said, contract labor. So I have to use that proper. So when, when I talk to my Japanese <laughs> friend, they'd be like, why are you talking all proper? I'm just like, bro, like, I don't know how to talk to casual no more. But, hey, I mean, at least I can get my point across. <laughs> it doesn't matter at this point. Yeah. And, man, that's, so. something, that, that's something that I never learned. I, well, I learned... I learned how to speak Japanese properly, but even when I worked for this Japanese manufacturing company here, and like in the marketing, like I was talking about, um, I never spoke business Japanese, and they hated that mm. because I would speak with like Okinawan slang and like yeah. roll my R's a lot, and like you know. So they asked me a question about something, and I'm like, ah, ma ne, walk on nail. <laughs> They're just like, wait, why are you talking like that to me? And I have to keep reminding them, like, well, I mean, I am American, so like I'll speak yeah. Japanese, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but. Man, business Japanese is a whole other language, though. It's so it different. Really is. It's like, because if you don't say certain things certain way, they think we're disrespecting them. It's like, no, it's just sometimes we just don't learn the business way. So it's because Japan's big on respect and the way you talk to them, to the elders. And I'm just, I get it. But I deal with that a lot first time when I got the management position on base because there's some lady that lady or other guy that worked there for 30 plus years and then they're still you know working as a waiter or dishwasher and then some 20 year old dude come in and tell them what to do it they're kind of like who are you talking to it's like whoa like i'm not here to disrespect you i'm just being a manager just can you please do it and i still respect them as like you know because it to me, I, that's what I learned in Japan. Like, elders, you got to respect them. So I respect them. I don't talk to them crazy. But that's what I had to teach some of the American managers. I'm like, hey, like, they've been here for 30 years, longer than you. Like, just respect them. They're, they're not just a worker. They've been here forever. They've probably seen more stuff than you have. Just because they're a waiter or dishwasher or janitor doesn't mean you can disrespect them. Because in America, it's more about, about the position where you at. Absolutely. If you're eight. If you're 18 year old and your manager, whoever that's below you, that's 30, 40, they don't, it does not matter. That's your manager. You have to respect them. But in Japan, it's a little different. So I had to kind of tell some of my managers, like, hey, like, we get it. You're a manager, but they've been here longer. They're older. Just respect them. And if you respect them, they respect you and then they'll work. Like, but that's the, that's the cultural difference we have here that I have something I have to teach them. And then I always tell the older people, too, like, hey, like, the manager that we I just spoke to, she's not trying to disrespect you. She just don't understand because the culture is different. Yeah, and I had to tell them that. So stuff like that. And you know, like that's a that's a really good point, man. That I mean, when I work for when I say I work for a Japanese company, I mean I don't I don't mean that I worked for like Yamaha America. I mean I worked directly yeah. for a Japanese company. So everybody I worked for is Japanese. And I did. Uh, I worked with the manager there, who's full Japanese from Osaka, and like did not speak any English at all. So I had to do all his translation, like even help mm-hmm. him like with doctor visits. You know, I had to call set up appointments yeah. for him. Um, and you're right, like the way respect is given in America is is very highly motivated by what position you hold. You know, yeah. um, almost like when people ask you what you do for a living here, they're not really exactly. curious about what you want to do. They're trying to find out what you do so they can figure out how much they should respect you and how much they should talk down to you, you know? So when people ask me what I do, if I say, oh, I work on the military base, they give me a bunch of respect because they think, oh, the military is really cool. 
you know, but if I tell them like, oh, I work as a photographer, they think that's a cool job too, so they give me this much respect. But if I said, I work uh, as a janitor, then they start talking like differently and they look at you differently because they think you don't have as much money. And if you don't have as much money, you're not worth as much. And the Japanese company I worked for there, it was, um, the Americans hated it, but the way they did their management structure was very Japanese. You know, they, their managers were promoted based on how long they had been at the company. So whether they were good or not, even if they're not a really good worker, if they've been there for 15 years and put in the hours of work, they get promoted to managers and then they switch out different managers, you know? So you're a manager yeah. one day and then you're not a manager another day because that's a very Japanese thing to do to switch everybody out. Switch everybody out, yeah. And, and in America, if you do that, that's considered like a demotion and that's considered like you're not doing a good job. So yeah, it's, uh, so they, it was something Americans had to get used to and I had to try to explain it. They just never could understand it, but. <laughs> yeah, um, you're like, no. <laughs> yeah. So um, talking about the differences between America and Japan, man, uh, what kind of, Differences have you noticed between like your clothing being re- received in Japan versus America? Do you see people enjoying it more in the stateside, or do you see people in Japan really supporting it as well? Like actual Japanese people, not Americans that live in Japan. Um. So what I'm kind of, sh- I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest, but what I'm really struggling right now is actually to get a Japanese customer, which is, which I really wasn't expecting it uh more people buy my most most customer that buys my stuff is from europe and us and uh some uh canada and i think that's the main three like the europe the us and then canada uh japan i have some japanese customers but uh i don't know if it's just okinawa i don't, i'm not sure because most of the customer that buys my stuff from japan is from mainland okay and then people that buys from Okinawa is mainly like the people I know or people that works on base, like the military people that likes my stuff. Like, cause I sometimes wear my stuff to go to the club or bar when, before the whole thing happened. And they'd be like, oh, I like that. Da, 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 da. And then, like I said, I make the vest and whatnot. not. And then you know, for military people, they'd be like, you got a vest, you make it better. I'm like, I want it. And then I was kind of shook because I'm like, y'all wear that every day. And you want to wear that for fashion? He's like, yeah, that's dope. I'm like, okay. like. <laughs> <laughs> and they bought it. But there, it was mainly the military people that bought the vest. And the vest is pretty cool, Japanese man. People, I appreciate it. So, yeah, that's what I'm struggling, really. And then I try to... But I think with that said, I think it's the culture thing. Like, they rather follow that's what's trending in the state. So right now, I think... I don't, I'm not sure, like, Baden 8, Supreme. Yeah, uh, Supreme is... Supreme has got to go, man. It's been around for too long and it's getting old, in my opinion. And yeah, it's like kind of simplest red and white. Like, I mean, I respect the brand, but I like look at Bob, Bobby Hundreds, the hundred, the atom bomb. He's more creative, but then he sells his shirt for a reasonable price. But Supreme over here with the just says Supreme on the middle for hundred plus dollars. I'm not, sure, I don't get that, but I feel like Japanese people would rather go for that route than supporting those these upcoming brands. But again, like I'm not a good, I'm, I don't give up, so I just keep attacking. Like, hey, like this is probably better than Supreme. You don't gotta spend whatever amount of money you're spending on Supreme. If you're spending 150 on a shirt, you can get about five shirt with my brand, with almost probably the same material and more better design, more and more colorful. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I mean, do you really want to go to a club or a bar wearing the same shirt as every other dude in there? 
like wearing the same kind of clothes, same style. I mean, you got it's just like robots, you know, like you support yeah. local stuff. I mean, that being said, man, I don't have a whole lot of clothing that I get from other like um, creatives because I pretty much wear the same thing. Right. I wear yeah. black or blue jeans and a white shirt or black shirt. And that's pretty much it because that's just my style, you know. Yeah. Um, but as far as like hoodies and things go, I love getting lots of different kinds. I don't want to get the same thing as everybody else, you know, and I don't, I don't necessarily know if I want to support a certain brand. Like I don't buy Nike. I don't wear Nike anything, no Nike shoes, no Nike anything. It's not because they have low quality, but like, I just don't want to support that brand personally. Mm-hmm. I feel like they do a lot of unsavory stuff and some, some stuff I'm not really cool with, <clears throat> yeah. but it makes sense to support something that's just, you know, it's, it's different. And I wonder I don't know what it is about the Japanese style. I don't, I don't really know much about the Japanese fashion industry, but um, do you know Earl Standerford by chance? Uh, no. Okay, so Earl, he went to OCSI. He's one of my good friends. He's a film photographer. Well, he's a, fil- a photographer. Oh, Earl, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Earl, he's, he's a photographer in Tokyo right now, and he was telling me about how business, when you're a small business in Japan, it's so much different than the U.S. because in Japan, people are not approachable. You can't just yep. walk into somebody's office and say, hey, this is what I do. This is what I've got. Do you want to buy it? You have to go get business cards. You have to take people out to eat. You have to develop a relationship before you can start offering all that stuff. You have to get them drunk multiple times. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like that's, and I don't know if it's different in the fashion industry, but uh, man, I think it'd be pretty cool to see like your clothes like at Uniqlo or something like that, you know, like see certain yeah. lines come out. Do you have any like physical locations? Like do you have a pop-up store or anything like that? So I did one and gate two uh, under uh, Hip Hop Paradise uh, owned by uh, Mr. Kato, uh, Rashan's father. Okay. And then, yep. Yeah, and he was like, hey, you can throw some stuff in there. And I was like, all right. And then he gave me the opportunity to do that. And 100% I appreciate it. But it just, I just couldn't get that, uh, what do you call it, customer base, like that fashion side i'm not sure why maybe it's just maybe because it's okinawa i'm not sure or maybe it was a location because i mean gate two is pretty much known for clubs and bars and strippers and all that kind of stuff not really a fashion so and from what i remember about gate two the the general consensus of gate two i mean not to knock anybody that has their stuff there but that's where you can go get a lot of stuff that's not real that looks real that might be a little cheap so putting your stuff out there it might give a bad representation of what you actually have too Exactly. So I don't. I only made two sales when I did the pop up, and then after that, uh, I kind of got busy with work because I was like being a manager on Foster and trying to do this business. But then his shop closes at nine. I get off at ten. It was just hard to manage it. So I mean, Mister Kato, he understand. He was like, "Hey, like I understand you're busy." Uh, you know, he was like, "Hey, like you got all this stuff left." I'm like, I told him I was like, "Hey, like." If the customer come, you can just give it out, kind of like a giveaway, and I'm okay with it. And after that, I'm I'm cool. Like I appreciate it, but I just can't jug right now because I I need the stable income just to support what I need, and then to support this business. And he was like, I totally understand. So he was under he was really understandable. So I appreciate that about him. And right now, I'm just like not trying to do pop up at all at the moment. But uh. Chris, uh, he's from Get Kicks. Uh, he kind of, he got, he not kind of, he helped me out do that little pop up for that sneaker con event in Okinawa, uh, 2019, 2019, I think. 20, I don't know. It was like in 2019. But that was actually 
turn out really well. Uh, that's when in, like I kind of got the spark of like my brand being known out there and whatnot. So yeah, it just I think it just here is just challenging in Okinawa because of uh, how Okinawa is behind compared to Tokyo. Whatever that's going on in Tokyo, Okinawa do it like maybe a year later. Man, Okinawa time is something for real. It's absolutely yeah. real. It's hard to really care about everything that's going on outside of Okinawa because you've got beautiful beaches and you're basically on a resort retirement island. So why would you care about anything else? You're already where you want to be when you're retired, you know? Exactly. Do you think it's the American side of you or the Japanese side of you more that goes into the style of the clothes? Because to me, it looks very American style. But I, there's got to be some Japanese side in there also because, I mean, you, you are half Japanese. Yeah, so uh, I guess it's 50-50 for me. I guess with the uh, Undokai stuff, the Undokai stuff you said came from when you were doing uh, uh, sports day stuff. So that is Japanese. Yeah, so uh, I do just kind of mix a lot. But then that's the funny part because Japan people really don't buy a shirt or a hoodie with anything that's Japanese. So if I put Babylon Japanese, they kind of back off. On the other hand, Americans, when they see that, they're like, Japanese, I don't know what it says, but I'm going to cop it. Like, that's how it works. And Same Japanese thing with tattoos. People, exactly. You know, they'll, they'll put goat butt, and they'd be like, oh, it's dope. It's kanji. And it's like, sure. But with Japanese, they'd rather go for more Ameri like English like alphabets. They'd rather go towards that. Because I feel like when they get Japanese words, they kind of look too deep into it. So if I were to put heart or love, or whatever, and they'd be like, well, why, why that? And it's like, bro, just, but in American, they don't even look too deep. They're just like, that's kanji, that's dope, I want to get it. That's how it works. So I try to mix it up, but usually it will come out in more of an art. So I made that, the camo hat with the, what it says, Babylon, but then there's a Japanese crane on it. So I just put those kind of twists in it, or I put it in the name. So I make the collection name in Japanese or the product name in Japanese. And uh, that's what I put in. I don't want to put too much Japanese, but then also I, I would love to put Japanese twist into it with the American twist and just kind of like me. I'm just mix up everything and then yeah. just kind of put that and come out with it. So that's my main thing, I, I, I guess I can say. I do put here and here a lot. Yeah, man, that I, I can kind of see what you're saying now, like with the Japanese crane. Like I've seen little tiny things on some of your clothing where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Japanese, like for sure. Um, I kind of forgot about a lot of that. But yeah, now to think about it, too, like it's probably harder to push a lot of stuff in Okinawa because like the weather's always the same, you know, even in the winter, like yeah. it's still pretty warm. So like you can only it market is. so much of like colder weather clothes, you know, like hoodies for sure you could get away with but like once you start to get bigger jackets or like things that are heavier people are probably less likely to buy it there right yeah they, they will not buy it like they will either say some stuff i heard was like well i'm not gonna wear this it's like i don't know when you go to tokyo it's like i don't know but it's just like stuff like that happens so a lot of high demand in okinawa was swim shorts tank tops uh bucket hats so mainly the summer stuff because, I mean, it is warm. I mean, I'm wearing a hoodie right now, but I can literally go outside with the shirt and I'll be perfectly fine. It's just we have a cold breeze now, so I would just wear the hoodie and stuff. But, yes, uh, 
that's why I try to target. I mean, I'm not saying forget Okinawa, but I'm targeting more people in Osaka and Tokyo, which has season. They have, you know, fall, winter, summer, and all that kind of stuff. Here, it's kind of like summer, seven months of the year, and in the last five is about maybe gets a little winter slash fall, maybe, but that's about it. Yeah. Were you so, in Okinawa when it snowed for the first time in like 100 years? I was in Chicago. For you when I Chicago? heard that, I was like, did it really snow? Come on. And they're like, yeah, it really did. I was like, that's crazy. But then my mom was like, no, it didn't. I yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> I heard, I saw some people post video of it and it was like the, like, I don't know what we call it here in the US, but like, it's not real snow. Like it's kind of snow, but it's not, you know, yeah. like it's, it does, it's not going to stick on the ground. It just kind of comes down a little bit. I mean, I'm in, I'm in Ohio, so I'm. I'm in this city now called Dayton, which is north of Cincinnati. I'm four hours away from Chicago. Like, I'm really close oh. to where you were. So the weather's pretty much the same. So, same, you know, yeah. we get hot summers. It'll get 100 degrees in the summer. And then in the winter, it'll get down to negative 10 degrees some days, too. So, yeah, um, yeah so it's kind of uh, interesting to see the I, – I, I don't know. It's In Okinawa, the, the, the weird thing about Okinawa's weather is that some people – will still wear like winter clothes in Okinawa's winter, which I find hilarious yeah. because it's not cold. You know, like majority yeah. of the time it's like, <laughs> it's gotta be like what, you could probably still have days in Okinawa where it's like 30 degrees Celsius. Like, Yeah, it gets super yeah. cold sometimes, yeah. but not to the point you need to pull out a snow jacket. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's always like at night for like a couple hours it might get a little cold, but like in Fahrenheit yeah. we're talking like what? like 50 degrees maybe sometimes but like most of the time yeah. it's still in the 60s whereas here exactly. you know you get such a big balance between like or such a huge difference between hot hot summer weather where you can't wear jeans you know and then like yeah. really cold winters where you have to wear multiple pants and like two pairs of socks so it's kind of yeah, cool dang. here to see the fashion change and like uh is that something that you miss seeing like, it's like do you miss seeing like that really big difference in change of fashion between like summer fall winter spring yeah so in chicago that's what i that's what i because like when i for my school which was weird but it started in september and when everybody started in august but september it was like in chicago it was still hot so people were wearing like the summer fit kind of you know and then you know it gets kind of colder so they got the cardigan coming out and then the light jacket the bomber jacket and then the winter hit it's like those the puffy ones with the the spur on it it's like that's that's crazy that's why chicago was such a when i first got selected to go to chicago for my college i was like of course typical people when they hear chicago oh my god gang violence shooting out not gonna lie i was scared because i'm like man like what if i get caught into one of those you know commotion but when I got to the city first year, I'm I'm not even gonna lie, I was homesick. I was like, yo, I wanna go home. Like, fuck this place. I wanna leave. Like, it just can't. Cause I was so used to every people being polite, uh, excuse me, thank you, bowing, and it's all that. And then when I got to Chicago, they just they don't even say excuse me, they bump into you and be like, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, hey, no, no, I don't, I don't want no trouble. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, so I was kind of uh, but then my sophomore year, that's when something clicked in me that I want to do fashion. Because, of, I mean, I talked to a couple of people, met them in clubs and in school who was in fashion industry. And from there, like, when I was a kid, I always wanted to do, I, not, not always, but I always loved fashion. So, uh, 
I mean, actually, my grandma, my, my grandma and my grandma, uh, my grandpa, they own these boutique, fashion boutique stores. So my grandma still closed. So I was always around that kind of environment. So um, I was like, you know what? Like, let's, let's I want to do that. I want to do that. You know, like, why not try it? You know, like, at first I was just scared because, you know, that's, we, we go through that. Graduate high school, graduate college, get a real job, call it a day. Yeah. And then just impress our parents. And I was always kind of like the pattern. But then I was like, no, like, I want to do what I want to do, which was fashion. And I love art. I mean, I can't draw, but I love to just, I like looking at art. Um, I like to doodle a lot. I, I create some weird characters. And I, I it sucks I lost all the books, but that's what I like to do. But yeah, and then since sophomore year, I fell in love with Chicago. Mm. To this day, I still love it. I miss it. I want to go back. Uh, just people were just amazing. Like they they have they were in their own bubble, but the city was beautiful, day or night. It doesn't matter. It was always always beautiful. Um, and then I missed the smell of the city. It, it was not, not trying to be weird. It didn't stink, but it was just kind of like that city smell and the city vibe. I know what you mean. The smell yeah. of cement's way different than the smell of the ocean. Yeah, and it's just like, man, and then, I don't know, just every morning, it just kind of gives you that energy, like, you got to grind, like, it, you know, like, it was just always pushing me, and I can't even describe, I, I just love Chicago, and then if I have a chance to go back, I want to go back, and not live there, but, like, you know, maybe do some little pop-up, or go on an event, or sneak a car, whatever, just, I just want to do something like that, but I, I definitely want to visit Chicago once this whole COVID stuff calms down. Yeah. So, How's the COVID stuff affected your business? Has it has it uh, slowed down quite a bit or have you been pretty much the same? It did slow down. Um, but it slowed down. But like I said, I was I was able to sit back and learn how to sew because before the COVID, I didn't know how to sew at all. Like I, I didn't know how to cut and sew measurement fabric. Like I didn't know none of, nothing about that. And then something was telling me, I was just like, I'm supposed to be a fashion designer slash fashion brand, like a brand owner. And you don't know anything about fabrics. You don't know how to sew. That means you don't know how these shirts are being made. You're just putting stuff on. And I was like, that's true. So I start watching YouTube videos and, you know, how to do certain things. Uh, I asked uh, my auntie and my mom, like, hey, like, how do you, how do you sew? Like, how, like what you do? Like, is it hard? And she's, they kind of just show me just for a little bit. And I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. And then, that was kind of it. But then later on, I was like, no, nah, like, I need to learn this. Like, I need to learn this. Because if I learn how to cut and sew, even these simple hoodie, I can literally put something on and make you literally one in one your only kind of thing. So uh, that's what happened. Business-wise, it slowed down. Uh, I look at the statistics and whatnot. But like compared to last year, uh, sales-wise, it wasn't well. I'm not going to go into detail with the numbers, but uh, but the traffic of people that's looking and interacting with me and then uh, the amount of time I got uh, like asked a question or like, hey, can you come to the interview? Hey, can you can you provide an outfit for a music video? Hey, like I want to wear your disc in your music video. Uh, hey, like uh, I'm a, you know, on radio station. Can you come in? Da, 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 da. And a lot of opportunities came up, just like what happened to you. Uh, happened to you, like you just opportunities keep popping up. So uh, I'm actually 
glad that happened because of that. So uh, I took the COVID as it was a growth for my brand. It, it grew stronger and I was able to build the foundation. But business, it, it slowed down back because everyone's kind of like, uh, one of my friends was like, yeah, I want to buy it, but it's like, I can't go nowhere. So it's like, I'll just buy it when everything opens back up. And mm. I'm like, ah, I mean, like, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. But I'm pretty sure that's how everybody was thinking because when I dropped that Ondokai collection, that's when COVID hit. And I was ah. like, fuck. I was like, this shit sucks. The worst timing to drop a collection would be right when a pandemic hits, for sure. Yep. And then everybody was like, oh, man, it's dope, but we can't go nowhere. I'm like, you're right. We can't go nowhere. <laughs> I was like, man. Man. So. That's too yeah. bad. Well, I mean, I'm definitely gonna have to cop a hoodie. I'm gonna have to get a. I'm gonna have to get something. I'll wear it in my next. Uh, in my next podcast. Well, I've got man. I've got three podcasts to shoot today. I'm busy with oh. podcasts right now. So <laughs> I did one with Earl last night. I just finished editing it today. I've got two more after this. I've got one on Thursday. I got one on Saturday. One on Sunday. One on next Monday too. And I'm trying to make it like drop one on Monday, drop one on Friday. So I'll have like two okay. a week for so for a long time. Um, but man, I'm gonna have to cop one of those for sure because I. Like I said, I always wear the same clothes, you know? So for me to be on this, I can't wear the same shirt every time I do this. So I was struggling to f- try to figure out what shirt to wear because I've got black <laughs> shirts, I've got white shirts, and I already wore my other shirts. And well, yeah. I wear that where I wear a flannel every day. I mean, the flannel, that is my, that's my go-to, though. Is I'm huge that's with flannels. That, that hasn't changed yeah. since Okinawa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so. love the flannels. How do your sizes work? Do you have, like, when you say large, is that a Japanese large? Is that American large? Because, like, me, I'm in between large and extra large, you know? So if I get a large, sometimes it's too small. Because I'm a big guy mm. now. I used to be small when I was in Okinawa. But, like, man, I'm six foot. I'm 210 pounds. So when I put on a hoodie, if it says L, sometimes I stretch out my arms and my, you know, it comes up like that. So I'm curious, oh, yeah, how, yeah, yeah. How, how, is it, how does it fit? So sizing uh, for, like, the hoodies, uh most of them are American size. So the hoodie that we have that's coming out, that is um, American size, but it's this new fashion called the oversized hoodie. Okay. Meaning it's per it's fit, it fit perfect, but it's like that little bag, more baggier style. Yeah, I know what you're talking so about. It's, yeah, it's not that like the perfect fit. So that's, that's the little trend right now. Because if you uh, kind of scroll through kind of Instagram too, a lot of Instagram models and Instagram guy models too, but it's like they wear like a lot of oversized shirt or sometimes they do tuck it in, tuck their shirt in with the slim jeans or, or, or the slacks or whatnot. So that's like the thing. So that's where it gets a little tricky when it comes to size for that one. So I will probably explain it on the website when I drop it, but it's just, uh, if for girls, like if you were, if you want a medium, just get the small because of the size. Like I know a lot of girls like that perfect fit but some girls do like the oversized look so the small will be perfect because it will be in that middle part where small oversized but then also it can fall as a medium and then for large it can also fall as extra large but then still it's a large so it's just up to how their body shape and uh your height pretty much okay so yeah, right. that's, a, that's that's a tricky part when it comes to size yeah, I mean, especially just when you sell internationally. I mean, everybody's got different sizes for everything. I mean, even shoe sizes. Yeah. Like, U.S. shoe sizes are different than sizes you see in Europe or the U.K. Um, yeah. So uh, that's just something I was curious about. But, it, man, it sounds like you got it all planned out. Like, it sounds like you know exactly what your problems are before they show up. So you've got a solution for your problems, like, right off the bat. So it's not even a problem anymore. It's just a solution. 
Yeah. So, but again, that that took me three years. The first first two years, I was like, oh my god, like this is small, but it felt like extra small, and I'm just like, damn, like that's like that's why uh, every interview and the stuff I go to, I I tell people like the honest thing. It's like I've messed up so much. It was never a perfect. Like it was never a perfect journey. I, I I messed up. I lost so much money making uh, a bullshit product just because I was in a rush. Cause just cause I put at the time, like I was like, hey, I'm gonna drop something, blah. And since I already posted multiple times, now I feel like I got I need to put it out by then. And that's when I rushed. And I when I did that, I lost so much. Uh, I guess I want to say trust. Cause people were like, I was making good product, and then. Just because of that one collection that I rushed it, it came out all messed up. And they're like, some people didn't come back anymore. And then I learned from that. And I was like, damn, like, that's, that's not good. But, you know, it, it, every, everything is a journey. And I learned a lot. And finally, this third year, I was able to kind of like, all right, like, I learned my lesson. Let's not make that same mistake again. Like, that is the best thing you can do as a business owner is to make all these mistakes at the beginning. I mean, nobody expects you to be perfect. Nobody's going to be perfect at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, we all take these shortcuts and try to make money quick because when we're first starting a business, we think like, oh, the most important thing to me is to make cash back. So if I'm exactly. not selling, I'm not making any money back, but we don't think about the fact that like, well, you put out a subpar product really quickly, you'll get fast money, but it's going to slow down really quick. It's going to stop really quick. So, uh, yep. man, that's cool that you, I mean, three years is pretty quick to learn stuff like that. A lot of people don't learn it until way later on and they're way more deep into it. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear that you got that all figured out earlier on. And I mean, even if it was lower quality, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't terrible. I mean, it seems like you're like, uh, ever since we were younger, like trying to skate and everything like that, you kind of seem like a perfectionist. Like you want everything to be the way you want it to be, you know? So, yeah. uh, I, I, man, I'm excited to see all this new stuff you got coming out for sure. Appreciate it, appreciate it. I'm excited too. It just this one, like like I explained, what's the butterfly effect means. So to me, this is this is one of the big collection. I was like, I'm excited. Um, got a little COVID twist in it because I got the mask too. So, you know, mask is gonna be around forever for sure. Like even after the COVID, people are gonna be kind of paranoid. So people are gonna always wear masks, but it's gonna be more of like a fashion statement from now on. Um, so. Uh, the one I have right now is like the reflect reflective one. So it says Babylon and all kind of cursive. But when you take a picture, it just kind of just reflects. So it, now you can take a picture with it and it will look nice. Yeah, I saw that. I saw you uh, sewing them together. Like you had a you were live on Instagram, I think, and you were like making all the masks yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that was pretty cool, man. Especially like because I mean, if masks are gonna stay around forever, do you really want to look like you're wearing a diaper on your face all day every day? Exactly. Like why not? Yeah. Why not kick it up? <laughs> look a little, look a little more fashionable, you know? Well, hey man, exactly. I got I gotta uh, get going for some other podcasts, and we've done quite a bit of time already. So um, okay. I think I think we got to start wrapping this up. I mean, in a good way. I'm glad we had this long conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And man, I gotta apologize. I'm so sorry for coming in late. I was thinking, oh, that's okay. <laughs> man, this whole time difference has got me confused. Yesterday was fine because I did it with Earl. He's in Tokyo. But for yeah. whatever reason, I just wrote down the wrong time for today. So I'm glad that I was on my phone because I was here like editing stuff. So I was able to hop on real quick. Um, but man, what do you want to plug? What do you want to let people know about what you've got going on? Like when is your next collection drop? Where can they find you? Where can they order your stuff? Uh, okay, so uh, the next collection, well, the title is uh, Butterfly Effect. 
uh, is dropping November 1st. And the reason why I picked that date is because that's when the daylight saving changes. So that's when I'm going to drop it. Uh, so that's going to be a little tricky, but it's going to come out in Japan time, meaning it's going to be 31st for the state side. Okay, so a Halloween so, drop for the state side. Pretty much. Okay. And then for Japan, I do it the first, and that's how it's going to go. Uh, you can check out the, what is it called, VavilonClothing.com, and then it should pop up everything. Uh, right and now... How uh, do you spell do, that, by the way? Uh, V-A-V-Y-L-O-N, uh, clothing, C-L-O-T-H-I-N-G.com, uh, VavilonClothing.com. Uh, just look, go in there, go to the product section and you will see all my new product will be at the top. And then from there we'll go. And then I think that's about it. And then, uh, for Instagram, why Instagram and Twitter is Babylon underscore official. Uh, just follow me there and then, yeah. And then we'll keep you updated with the upcoming collections and looking for models, photographer, whatever you will see it up there. And I usually go on live uh, to show how I make my products just to kind of build that trust with the customer that it, this is not no gain for me. I love doing this. Uh, I, if I can make this my full time, eventually, I, I will love to do it as of my full time. So I just want to show you guys. I just, I, just got, I just want you to be where I'm sitting by watching my live. So just, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that one. Absolutely. Everybody go check it out. Chima's a real cool guy. He's got some really awesome stuff. I've ordered from him before. Like I said, I got the side satchel. Uh, it was a real simple process. Go on the website, click what I wanted, figured out exactly where I was going to get sent to. I got it real quick too. So it was not hassle process at all. Um, yeah, check it out. Vavilon official and vavilonclothing.com to check out his uh, new butterfly effect that's dropping the first uh, in Japan and 31st. So you get it in time for Halloween. Get the orders in for Halloween at least. But hey, man, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today, man. It was really good catching up. Good uh, seeing thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, it was great. I uh, appreciate you. I appreciate you even for considering me on this podcast. I yeah, really appreciate sure. it. For sure, man. We got to do this again sometime. We'll talk about another collection you got coming out, or we'll we'll have like a specific topic. Because right now I'm kind of talking general stuff, and you know, like one topic or two topics. But we'll talk about something specific next time. Okay. All right, man. Good talking to you. Let's cut it. All right. Hi, Oscar Thank Bye. you. Bye.